You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Most of that, verses 18 through 21, has to do with being filled with the Spirit of God. The key text there, or the key verse, actually, is verse 18, where he says, but be ye filled with the Spirit. So listen, that's what it's going to take, you know, for us to obey these directions as it relates to the marriage relationship, whether you're a wife or a husband. This applies to both uh, partners, both spouses. In today's message, Pastor Mike will share with husbands about what it means to be a good husband and a good leader. The Bible is very clear about its expectations for husbands and how they love and respect their wives. However, this is often easier said than done. The key to being able to care for your spouse in the way that the Bible guides you to do is the Holy Spirit. Only through the strength and enabling of the Holy Spirit can you truly live up to the standards set for you in marriage. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 as he begins his message, Instructions for a Great Marriage. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself uh, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, that is, for the sake of marriage, the purpose of marriage, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, let me begin by saying, marriage in the 21st century and the truth be told, is in pretty dreadful shape. It has become 
an embarrassment in our day. I mean, most people are very cynical when discussing the subject of marriage. I mean, the consensus is they're not sure that if it even works anymore. For example, uh, you're, uh, you're walking down the street and you run into an old friend of yours, someone that you used to go to school with or worked at uh, your, your former place of employment. And so you're catching up, you're talking to that person, and they say, hey, guess what? You know what? I'm engaged, and we're going to be married in June. And so how do you respond? More times than not, people respond by saying, well, listen, I hope it works out for you. What do you mean, you hope it works out for me? Why so pessimistic? Well, the truth be told, because of the general failure of so many marriages in our time. You know, someone also says, I'm never going to get married because I have never known a married person who was happy. So listen, let me tell you something. In this time and age in which we live, uh, marriage truly is in a dreadful, dreadful uh, shape. Okay, so with that said, that sets the platform for this morning's message. And that brings us to our first point. And if you're taking notes, write this down. It's going to be broadcast up here on the screen. What is the problem? What is the problem? Why has all of these things happened in this day and age? Well, for starters, we live in a sinful world where nothing is as perfect as we would like it. And marriage, by its very nature, opens us up to deep hurts. I mean, think about it. We place ourselves in a position whereby we are very vulnerable in marriage. And therefore, we are disappointed and hurt by its failures. That is when our spouses let us down. You know, every one of us, as we move towards marriage, have certain hopes and expectations. And that those hopes and ex expectations are going to be realized, right? We all have some kind of ideas and dreams and you know, about what we think our marriage relationship is going to be like. But when those things don't come to pass, we become discouraged and disappointed, right? And uh, so therefore, we're disappointed and hurt by those failures. That is when our spouses let us down. But you see, this is what we're not taking into consideration. Hey, listen, you're married to a sinner. And don't ever forget that. You're married to an imperfect person. Yes, Pastor, but, you know, I put myself out there. I've altered my life for my spouse. Well, listen, uh, you know, uh, that's what's going to happen. And this is what I get in return? Disappointment and hurts? Well, listen, the chief problem, however, is that we have forgotten God's guidelines for marriage. And thus we suffer these breakdowns. It's sort of like ignoring the manufacturer's instructions for its maintenance, if you will, right? You buy a new appliance, it comes with an instruction manual, right? Or your car, and it comes with an instruction manual. And if you ignore it, like for example with a car, if you don't get it uh, you know, serviced during certain intervals, you know, the 10,000 mile inspection and the 20,000, you know, it, has a, it breaks down. And this is the problem. We've actually ignored the manufacturer's instructions for its maintenance. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about God himself. Now, that brings us to our second point this morning. And write this down. Okay, so if that's true, 
where then should we begin in discussing the subject of marriage and its benefits? Well, I think we have to go right all the way back to the first book of the Bible, that is the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, where we have recorded there for us the account of God creating the physical universe. And in Genesis chapter 2, we are told that everything that God created, everything in the heavens and everything upon the earth, how did he respond after he created it? What did he say? He said, it is good. Apart, that is, from looking at man in his aloneness. And then in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, because of man in his aloneness, God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so marriage, therefore, was God's idea. And listen, God doesn't have any bad ideas. This is a very good idea, right? He created the woman for the man, and the women, the woman, are actually the completion and perfection of God's creative acts. And this is, by the way, this is the very reason why men are so obsessed with women. I got to have one of my own, you know, kind of a thing, right? And uh, besides some other things that I'm not going to mention. And... But isn't that true? Listen. Marriage was the great good, that top creation. Folks, regardless of what we make of it, and in spite of all of the failed marriages around us, listen, marriage is good. The failure is with men and women who, as I've mentioned, do not follow God's directions for marriage. So, in this section of Ephesians chapter 5, this is what Paul is concerned with here in our text. And therefore, he then goes on and first begins to instruct the wife. And so we're going to get into that in just a moment. That'll be our next point. But then he goes on to instruct the men. So let's go ahead and take them in their order. And that brings us to our third point. If you're taking notes, write this down. Instruction for the wives. And it's recorded for us in verses 22 through 24. Let's go ahead and read that once again. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as is also Christ, the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Oh boy. Out comes the women's libbers. We got any women's libbers here this morning? Okay. Wives submissive to their own husbands? The husband exercising a certain headship over their wives? Hey, listen, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. This is not easy to digest and swallow for a woman. But that's right. And now you got it. I mean, it's, it's, it's extremely difficult. I mean, think about it. Two distinct individuals becoming one, becoming one flesh. You know, nothing short of a miracle needs to happen before that actually, you know, is fulfilled. I mean, think about it. And uh, man, what a major adjustment, particularly in the first couple of years in the marriage relationship. So how is this going to happen? You know, these instructions. Obey our husbands. Submit to our husbands as unto the Lord. 
Well, I want you to notice something, that these instructions here to the wives are preceded by that which is recorded in verses 18 through 21. And if you were here for our last study, right, most of that, verses 18 through 21, has to do with being filled with the Spirit of God. The key text there, or the key verse, actually, is verse 18, where he says, but be ye filled with the Spirit. So listen, that's what it's going to take, you know, for us to obey these directions as it relates to the marriage relationship, whether you're a wife or a husband. This applies to both uh, partners, both spouses. You're not going to be able to fulfill these charges unless, in fact, you are filled with the Spirit of God. But the difficulty to obey, and I'm not going to stand before you and tell you that it's not difficult to obey. It's extremely hard to make that adjustment. I mean, what a, a, a crazy transitional time it is for when two people, two distinct individuals, come together. Especially if you've been a bachelor or a bachelorette for, for a while, right? And to making those kinds of adjustments and relating to one another the way that God wants us to relate. But even, you know, throw this in the mix, which even makes it more difficult, living in the day that we live in where we are discouraged to do those sorts of things. So Paul uh, realized the difficulty for the women to obey, but he also realizes that husbands have trouble having their, uh, loving their wives and doing that as well. And thus he writes... Go back to our text. Notice once again in verse 25. He says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Okay, so Paul offers examples of submission here in this section of the book of Ephesians. Wives to their husbands, verses 22 through 24. Children to their parents. In fact, let's go ahead and address that. Children to their parents. I'll just touch on a couple of things. But let's go on. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, part of the Ten Commandments. What's the promise? Verse 3. That it may be well with you, and you may live long upon the earth. Listen, let me tell you something. You honor your mother and your father, and God will bless you for that. And everything that you put your hand to will prosper. You'll live a very long life. And he'll give you the capacity to be able to take care of your mother and your father. That's a part of the promise. And then in verse 4, he goes on to declare, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now that raises the question, and this really isn't a part of this message, but I'm going to throw it in there. I'm not going to charge you anything extra for this, by the way. But, you know, how can we actually, think about this now, provoke our children to wrath? So I'm addressing parents right now. And we can actually provoke our children to wrath. How can, how, there's a couple of, there's a variety of actual ways that we can go about doing it. Like, for example, we can frustrate them by teasing them, you know, and uh, we think it's cute. Like, for example, when the little kids are, you know, we're always messing around with the little kids, right? And uh, we'll, we'll show them something, like a toy, and we'll put it in front of them, and then they'll go to, to grab it, and we'll pull it back. And, uh, and they'll look at you like, what are you doing? You offered it to me. And then we'll put it again to them. 
And not that I've ever done this. <laughs> but, and then we'll put it out to them again. And they'll go to grab it and we'll put it back. And, and they get all frustrated, right? And, uh, and they're, they're so, they get angry. And we're teasing them. And we think, it's, oh, it's so cute. Look how angry they are. Well, what is that? That's insane. That's crazy. Or how, by, how about by unjust or unexplained punishment? You know, I think that there's a way to go about disciplining our children. But I think before we discipline them, whether or not you feel as if, you know, you should use or not use corporal punishment, I think there's a place for corporal punishment, but I don't think that we should use it all of the time. We're setting our child's perimeters. There comes a time in an age in which corporal punishment doesn't do anything except to provoke your children to anger. You know what I'm saying? You don't spank a teenage kid, right? And uh, so, you know, we really got to be careful about the way that we administer our discipline. But I think before we discipline our children, we ought to explain to them why we're disciplining them. They might not even know why we're disciplining them. And say, listen, you know what? I'm, I'm setting perimeters. I'm, I'm going to make sure. What I'm trying to do is make sure that you don't uh, go out... The, side of those boundaries that I've set for you, because if you do, you're going to be hurt, you're going to be injured, and I, don't, I love you that much. And so I'm going to have to discipline you to reinforce this. And, uh, and so you explain it to them, and then if corporal punishment is appropriate, you know, spank them. And then after you spank them, don't leave them there crying, embrace them and let them know that you love them. And so if you don't do that, this is just another way to provoke your children to wrath by unjust or unexplained punishment? Or how about making unreasonable demands of them? You know, when you were a kid, you didn't realize certain goals. Now you have your own children, and you're trying to live your life through them. What you weren't able to accomplish, now you demand of them that they accomplish. And you're living your life. That's wrong. And you can actually, in all of these different ways, and there's so much more. I mean, I can go on forever, but these are just some of the ways that we can provoke our children to anger. So anyway, he, Paul offers three examples of submission here in this section of Ephesians. Wives to their husbands, verses 22 through 24. Children to their parents, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And then slaves to their masters, chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Now, of course, you're not a slave, but this would also apply employees as they relate to their employers, and employers the way that they relate to their employees. Let's go ahead and read that. Verse 5, bondservants. Sometimes don't you feel like you're a bondservant or a slave at your place of employment? It shouldn't be like that. Unfortunately, it is, because you're working for a hard taskmaster, right? Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not with eye service. Now, what is he referring to here? You know, when the boss is around, when he's looking over your shoulder, then you're really busy. And then when he walks out of the office, you know, you just kind of kick him back, right? And not putting in an honest day's wage for an honest day's pays. You're serving your employer with eye service. That's what that looks like. So not with eye service as men pleases, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. You know, the truth of the matter is you're actually employed by the Lord. I mean, how many of us 
you know, when we were uh, interviewing for that job, prayed, oh God, you know my needs. You know, I got to take care of my family. Got to put food on the table, pay my kids' tuitions, uh, pay my mortgage payment or whatever. And uh, Lord, if you just, you know, give me this job. Lord, I'll serve you there. I'll be a light shining in the midst of darkness, right? I'll be your witness in that place of employment. And then God responded, gave you that job. We forget who we're working for. It was God who gave you that job, right? And so we do it as unto the Lord. Well, he goes on and he declares, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. So, you know, you don't even have to look to your employer, you know, for all of the perks of, of putting in an honest day's wage for an honest day's job. The Lord will reward you. And you masters, then he turns to the masters or your employers, and he gets on them. He says, do the same thing to them, giving up threatenings, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. So we are to relate to them in this way, pleasing the Lord, if you happen to be in a position of being an employer. Okay, so did you notice in all of these examples, they all involve submission. They're examples of what Paul is talking about back in chapter 5 and verse 21. Remember in one of our previous studies? Chapter 5 and verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, as far as marriage is concerned, Paul is saying that the wife is to assume a subordinate role in her home. Now, let me clarify this. This is not a matter of equality. We are all equal and valuable to God. The man isn't more valuable than the woman, right? And uh, so don't misunderstand. Don't be confused by that. We are all equal and valuable to God. And notice this submission is voluntary. It means no woman need accept the proposal of any man. It's a choice that you make. You know, some guy comes along and he woos you. You've been dating for a while and all of a sudden he drops to his knee and he holds out a little box and opens it up with a ring in it and he asks you to marry him. Hey, you don't have to accept that proposal, right? If you don't want to, it's a choice that you have to make. Hey, listen, if you want to go on being a lone ranger, you know, just go for it. If that's the way that you want to live your life. But if you accept that proposal and desire to be what God wants you to be, and you accept, then therefore you have to accept the headship of your husband. But if you do, contrary to what people are telling you, you will be blessed. But unfortunately, many women fight against this, but let me say there are many men who give them just cause. In my father's house, there's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be. Oh, my heart. We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse by verse study through the book of Ephesians. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. 
You can also listen online by going to the Resources tab, or you can find them on One Place and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Fenizio. Viewing our recent services in their entirety can be an option as well through Vimeo. Just follow the link at our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House. If you're ever in or near the Midtown Manhattan area and are looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here, and you can reserve your seat at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, don't hesitate to give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram by following the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House.